the everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Amen. And so, uh, you know, I, I love that Sam. And um, it's interesting. It's, it's really talking about, you know, those who have a hunger uh, for the Lord. And, you know, I've, I've just finished um, recording a series for UCB. I have a little program on every day. And it's a blessing. Um, so many times when I go different places and I hear people say, oh, we, we, we listen to you every day. You know, when I was in Bethania, in the Romanian church, you know, some, some people came up and said, you know, they were they're listening. It's very encouraging because um, when you record something, you don't know, you know, if anybody's going to be hearing. But, um, but it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing to, to know that people are being encouraged by the word of God. And, um, but I, I, I recorded um, a, a series just, just the last few days um, called um, uh, A Deeper Walk with Jesus learning to abide in Christ. It's a very long title, but um, essentially it's going to be three weeks, ten minutes a day for, for three weeks. So um, it, it would probably be about three hours. So I, I'd like to share on it tonight. And, um, you know, if you listen well, I know it's three hours, but I, I think I can get it done in two and a half. So, uh, <laughs> But you know what? Um, a, a deeper walk with Jesus, learning to abide... Um, in Christ, and you know, even in the Old Testament, and we're going to read John chapter fifteen in a minute, which, which you know, is is really an invitation for us to abide in Christ, or for us to to live or to dwell in Him. But you see, even in the Old Testament, you know, this was the predominant theme, um, and and that is that God wants us to know Him, God wants us to walk with Him, and our relationship with Him is the most important thing, because. You know, with Jesus, it was always about relationship, not religion. And yet so many times, you know, our human fallen nature tends to, to, to cause us to gravitate towards works, towards focusing on what we can do, um, uh, you know, for God rather than actually knowing God. And, um, and it's important that we work for him, but it's even more important that we, uh, that we work with him and that we know him. And, uh, you know, that's why John the Baptist said in, in John 3, he must increase, I must decrease. And I think we can learn from John in, in that regard. And um, so Psalm 24 is a beautiful psalm because it, it acknowledges the earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. That implies to every one of us that we are his. We're his property. We belong to him. And, and that's why I think it's important that we don't get anxious, you know, irrespective of uh, what's happening in the world or how crazy the world is getting. Um, you know, when we see the, the wars and the pestilences and the uncertainty and, and, and all the things happening in the world, I mean, you know, it's not like uh, the Lord didn't say that these things wouldn't be happening. He told us very clearly, Matthew 24, in the end times, char- you know, the characteristic of the end times, he said wars, pestilence, plagues, uncertainty, you know, darkness, etc. Um, but, but, you know, in the midst of the darkness... Uh, God wants to cause us to shine. You know, and that's why Isaiah 60, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon you, and his glory shall be seen upon you. And so, you know, I really believe this is our time to shine. Uh, but this is the reality is that we will never shine. We will never be effective in uh, reaching others for the Lord if we don't have a strong relationship with him and if we don't learn how to abide. 
And that's why, you know, it, it goes on uh, talking about who may ascend the hill of the Lord, you know, who, who may come into God's presence, who may come into intimacy with God. It talks about having clean hands and a pure heart and not lifting up your soul to an idol. And so, you know, it's important that we walk in holiness. God is a holy God. And uh, be ye holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Uh, that's, that's a principle, again, true, true God's word. And this is a day for us that we need to be living a holy life. You know, and, and particularly in light of all of the, uh, the, 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 the sin, where sin is becoming normalized in our society. In many, in many areas, people are, are, are becoming hardened in their sin. People are becoming insensitive to sin. You know, uh, the TV is playing a big part in that. You know, people are watching stuff on entertainment in the name of entertainment that, you know, 10 years ago, people would have been appalled at. And now they're just watching it without even blinking. And I think that's why, again, we have to be very discerning about what we allow, allow on, on, on our TVs or what we expose our kids to. I mean, it's just, uh, it's, it's, it's quite shocking. E even, you know, a lot of what's being put out today in the name of entertainment. Um, uh, I, I know one recent movie put out about two, two, two gay men you know, in a relationship, uh, and uh, and they were very surprised that, 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 you know, it hasn't been a hit, and, you know, the reality is, is people, a lot of people still, you know, are not able to deal with with that, but there is an agenda to, to push that out there, and, um, uh, you know, even within kids' programming, uh, I mean, the latest, uh, you know, there was a movie, Buzz Lightyear, released this uh, just last summer, and it had... Uh, you know, uh, homosexual references in it. And so, you know, there is this agenda to normalize what is not normal and, and, and to, to cause people to accept uh, what is sinful. But um, this is where I think as the church, we have to hold fast to the eternal truth of God's word and not allow the culture to, to sweep us away uh, to where it will take you, which is ultimately hell. Um, and it says... Uh, if, if you resist the flow of the world, and again, if you want to walk with God and if you want to live a holy life, then absolutely you are swimming against the current. Mm -hmm. And you have to realize that, you know, you know the, the, the world is going in the opposite direction because they're on their way to hell. And that's, that's the reality. I mean, uh, you know, Jesus said that, that, you know, broad is the way that leads to destruction and many there are who travel on it. Uh, but narrow is the way that leads to life, and there are few who find it. And um, he didn't mean few in terms of God doesn't want uh, everybody to, to go to him, but, you know, not everybody will, and that's just the, the reality. But, you know, uh, we have to have the attitude, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We can't decide for anybody else, but we can certainly decide for ourselves and our children and our family. And... Um, so it says, this is Jacob, the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face. So, so we see here that God makes a distinction between those who seek him and those who have a heart to know him. And, um, and, and that means so much more than simply just turning up in church every, every few weeks or, or, or once a month, as some people do. But just, you know, it, 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 you know God, I believe, you know, marks those who seek him, those who have a hunger for him, those who really want to know him. Um, you know, too many times people, you know, they'll come to church if they have a need or if they have some big problem, you know, they'll come faithfully. And, uh, you know, it's like the guy, um, I, I remember uh, years ago in the early years of our church, 
there was a guy from Eastern Europe in our church. Um, he, he was in his early 20s. And every week after the Sunday service, he came up, oh, pastor, pray for me that I, I want to get a job. Uh, pastor, please pray for me. And, and you know, I, I used to kind of saying, well, we've prayed. You need to just believe. But anyway, I, I, you know, I, I used to pray with him. That's your job as a pastor is to, to love people. Um, and uh, so eventually he gets the job. And... Um, Next every Sunday he's coming up for prayer. Oh, Pastor, he says, I'm just so tired after my job. I don't think I can come to church anymore. I'm just too tired on a Sunday. I just need I'm my, my, my job. I'm so tired, you know. And I was like, oh, anyway. And so he finished that. And, and then he starts coming up. Oh, Pastor, I, I want to get married. I want to get married. It's just, you know, I want to believe for a wife. Every Sunday, he, up, straight up after the service, Lord, I'm, I, Pastor, I'm, I'm praying for a wife. And you know what? He, we prayed. He gets a wife. I tell you, it wasn't two weeks He's back up again. Pastor says, this woman is cracking me up. He says, I don't think I can take it. And he actually ends up getting divorced afterwards. It was so sad, like, I mean. But, but you know, there was a pattern in that young man's life. He was never happy. And, and, you know, and this is the way we can be. And so the Bible says, this is the generation of those who seek him. We must make a decision that we're going to faithfully Seek the Lord, and you know, in good times and bad times, when things are going well, when things aren't going so well, and um, and so anyway, it says, "Lift up your heads, O gates; be lifted up your everlasting doors, and the King of Glory shall come in." And so, you know, on one level, that's talking about the glory of heaven, and you know, the gates are open for the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. But it's also talking about the gates of our life. Mm-hmm. You know, is the gate of your life open to the Lord? Like Jesus said in the Book of Revelation, "I knock at the door and ask. If you will open the door, I will come in and eat with you and you with me." And you know, a lot of ministers kind of have er- erroneously used that scripture in terms of soul winning. You know, Jesus is knocking at the door of your heart. Will you open and let him come in? Kind of, and 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 you know, that's. It can work on one level, but in real terms, Jesus was speaking to the church. He was that was the seven letters to the churches in the book of Revelations. He wasn't talking to the unsaved in that scripture. He was talking to the Christians, mm-hmm. and this is, I suppose, this is the danger: is that you know we can get so busy uh, working for God that we end up spending no time with God, mm-hmm. and um, and that's why I think, you know, like I said, the the the, the letters to the seven churches. It's, it's very powerful, um, uh, but the, the reality is it, it is speaking to us as well in terms of, you know, that, that, that Jesus had to knock on the door of this church to be allowed in. So, you know, like I said, they were so busy with whatever they were doing. Um, you know, they were, you know, maybe did all sorts of activities and all sorts of good things um, on the surface. But, you know, they, they were so busy that they were too busy uh, for the Lord. And so, um, you know, if we're, if we're too busy uh, to spend time with the Lord, then there's something wrong, there's something out of balance. And um, uh, like Jesus said to each of the seven churches, um, I know your works. And um, uh, so the Lord, it's important that we're doing things for him, that we're serving him. Uh, but remember, our first ministry is that we... Uh, you know, our first ministry is to the Lord. Our first ministry is to Him. And so that's why I want to start today by reading uh, John chapter 15. And um, it's, the, it's this lovely um, passage here where Jesus um, tells us how He is the vine and uh, we are the branches. And um, thank you, Lord. So uh, John 15, I am the true vine and my Father is the vine dresser. 
Every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it, bear more, that it may bear more fruit. You're already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. And, and we must constantly remind ourselves of that, that without the Lord we can do nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because religion says try harder, um, uh, uh, but you know what, sometimes it's not about trying harder, sometimes it's, it's, it's about learning to rest. Um, they which have believed have entered into rest. And um, you know, religion says do, 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 but Christianity says done. And so Jesus said, without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep in my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. And it's interesting that that, that love, I believe, comes out of that place of abiding. Mm-hmm. Because we, can, we can't give others what we don't have ourselves. Mm-hmm. And it's only as we abide in him that his love fills our hearts and that we can share that love with others. And, you know, that's why before we were saved, we wanted to love, but we couldn't. And that's why we were naturally narcissistic, selfish, vindictive, um, because that's what was in us. Remember, it's the nature of Christ in us that enables us to love. And um, that's why he he commands us. He said, um, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Um, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I've loved you. Greater love is no one than this, than he lay down his life for for his friends. You're my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I've called you friends. For all things that I've heard from my Father I've made known to you. And verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. Thank you, Lord. And... um, <clears throat> these things I command you that you love one another and, uh, and so I'm, I'm just going to stop there but uh, you know over and over again here Jesus admonishes us to abide in him and that word it's an old word it simply means to, to, to dwell or to live you know so um, you know it's talking about relationship and um, and and you know, this, this is what we're called to. And I think sometimes we can neglect our relationship with the Lord. We can get so busy, like I said. And um, a, good indic- a, a good illustration of that is Luke chapter 10, verse 38. And it's only, um, it's only five verses. And yet it's probably five of the most famous verses um, in the Bible. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. It was a very uh, ordinary uh, a moment that we can all relate to of having somebody important visit and you know getting in a flap trying to 
have everything right and have everything ready. And uh, that's a perfectly natural thing. But we see here there's a great lesson uh, from it. It says, Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. This is Luke uh, 10 and 38. But Martha was distracted with much serving and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. And, you know, I think the Lord could, you know, put every one of our names into that. Particularly after the last number of years between, you know, COVID and with inflation and with war and with all of the, you know, things that are happening in the world. I think that at times all of us, you know, have been troubled or anxious or fearful or worried. And, um, you know, you, you could just put your name right there. Uh, you know, John John or, or um, Louise, you know, you are troubled a, a, about many things. But one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. And um, so, you know, Martha was, was angry, but I, I think Martha was not just angry at Mary. She was probably angry at herself because, you know, her obsessive desire to have everything perfect for Jesus was actually causing her to miss uh, the moment and that's why sometimes, you know, if you go to a concert or something like that, and you, you'll see everybody with their phones up, yeah. and, and, you know, they're so focused on recording the moment, they're actually missing the moment. Yeah. In some ways, I think, you know, before we had iPhones and all that, I think we were able to enjoy a moment far more, a moment that you could carry in your heart and remember, as opposed to, you know, a badly recorded yeah. thing you have on a phone, you know, and... Um, you know, she was probably mad at herself a little bit because, like I said, her, her obsessive desire to always serve was stopping her from having vital time at the master's feet. And, you know, her passion for perfection was distracting her from focusing on what was really important in that moment. And it wasn't cheesecake and it wasn't the souffle and it wasn't the chicken or whatever she, she was cooking in that moment. Um, you know, Jesus was speaking and he was sharing words of life. And, um, you know, she was missing uh, the, the miracle of the moment. Now, it doesn't mean that there wasn't a need. I'm sure they needed to eat. And I'm sure it was, it was very much appreciated. But maybe she was going overkill by trying to cook five or ten things um, rather than having something simple and quick and that she could have sat down as well uh, with them. And so this is the thing, like I said, sometimes we can be so focused on what we can do for God that we actually neglect spending time with him. And really, this is what Jesus is talking about in saying, you know, that you are the branches and I am the vine. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, he said, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And this is the thing, as a pastor, I see, you know, many people, uh, you know, many people come, uh, you know, I come across a lot of people and, you know, many times I see people that are, are, are fruitless and frustrated. I think you could describe them that way. And, um, and, and many times they're talented. Uh, many times they're, they're, they have, they're gifted, they, but they have the cart before the horse because they're so focused on bringing forth fruit 
and yet they're neglecting uh, the most important part um, of that, which is abiding. I mean, you don't have to, you know, a branch doesn't have to worry about uh, bearing fruit. It just has to be connected to the vine. And, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, a, a branch will, will, will bear pears if it's connected to a pear tree or will bear apples if it's connected to an apple tree. In the same way, if we're connected to the Lord in that vital relationship with him, which we can all neglect at times. Like I said, we can all get busy or tired or just lazy. Let's be honest. Sometimes we just get lazy or, or particularly we get distracted, you know, and we, we just end up uh, scrolling um, and, and watching mindless cat videos rather than, you know, putting something in our spirits that will feed us. Um, you know, Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. He didn't say Facebook is the bread of life or Instagram or anything else. He said, I'm the bread of life. And so when we read his, the word of God, when we read the Bible, um, we're putting something on the inside of us. And so this, this is very important um, uh, for, for us to grasp. Jesus said, um, if you abide in me, my words abide in you, you will ask what you will and it will be done for you. And so we see out of that abiding uh, doesn't just come fruitfulness um, uh, in terms of ministering to others, but also, uh, it, you know, breakthroughs, answered prayers. Um, you know, desires fulfilled, dreams coming to pass. Um, so it all comes out of that relationship with him. And I, I mean, I, I suppose a case in point for me is I was just reminded this week when I was doing this this um, uh, program for UCB. I was recording at home, and um, I, I I just remembered how uh, you know in a couple of weeks' time we're having our 15 year anniversary in the church, and it's it's been a wonderful journey. And um, but you know, 20. I guess well over 20 years ago, we were youth pastors and um, the late 90s, I came home from Bible school and had a lot of dreams and, um, uh, you know, in terms of ministry and things we wanted to accomplish. Um, but, you know, we were youth pastors for quite a number of years and we reached a lot of young people and, and God was really blessing that ministry. And, um, you know, something's changed uh, in terms of the church and its direction. And um, um, I suppose it's quite... Uh, personal but the pastor put in somebody in working with us and we knew we couldn't work with that person and so we had to step aside and um, so we went from the place where we were ministering to over 100 kids every week to to nothing and um, I remember I was living out in Kildare in Narramore and uh, for the next four years we didn't do any ministry we we literally had nowhere to, to, to minister or to preach and um, you know it was during that time that I really began to seek the Lord and uh, you know I would get up at four or five in the morning go for a two-hour walk and just pray and, and, and seek the Lord and it, you know it's interesting at that time I was still getting messages every week and I was just typing them out but um, I kind of came to the place where I wasn't sure if I would ever preach again I, I, I wasn't sure if that was the end of our um, our ministry life and you know if I'd be just maybe working as a, an assessor for the rest of my life and I was but you know what, I came to the point where I was fine with that because like I read at the beginning where they said to John the Baptist, you know, that, uh, you know, uh, instead of everybody coming to you to be baptized, everybody is going uh, to him. And, um, you know, they were, they were kind of agitated, these disciples. Uh, John chapter 3 and verse 26, they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who is with you beyond the Jordan to whom you have testified, behold, he is baptizing and all are coming to him. And so there was this kind of sense of contention. And, uh, you know, this, this guy is, is, 
is moving in and he's cornering the market, John. You know, what are you doing about this? This guy is taking all your customers um, because he's baptizing everybody's going to him. And, um, uh, you, you know, I, I love the response of John. John answered and said, a man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. And so John had that understanding. Um, you know, this isn't my ministry. Uh, uh, you know, this isn't something that I'm doing myself. Uh, he says, you can only receive what heaven gives you. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I'm not the Christ, but I've been sent before him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom who stands by and hears and rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. Yes. <laughs> uh, the NIV. He must become greater. I must become less. Um, I was listening to a different version during the week when I was painting the house. And it was, I, I don't know what the version was, but it said, he must become more important. I must become less important. And I thought, wow, that is very profound. And I think, you know, if all of us had that attitude, um, we'd be far less inclined to get offended or to get bitter or to get angry. And, um, you know, I, let me say as a pastor that the vast majority of times why people leave the church is because they get offended. And why do we get offended? Is because we think we're more important than we, than we uh, are. And that's the reality is if you're not proud, you won't get offended. We get offended because we're proud. And, and so um, uh, the, the, uh, the New Living says, he must become greater and greater. I must become less and less. Yeah. And so, you see, if we want to abide in Christ, we must walk in humility. And, um, and I came to that place of, of, of accepting, okay, Lord, this door is closed and um, it might never open again. And, uh, but you know what? I wasn't praying in the mornings because I was saying, oh, God, open a door for me. Please make something happen or please give me somewhere to preach. And I was genuinely just seeking the face of God because I was hungry to know the Lord. And, um, and, and during those, those four years where we didn't minister, we were just husband and wife and we were just, um, uh, you know, we had a little, uh, our first little kid, Ewan. And, um, you know, that's when I really put my my foundations down deeper than ever before in the Lord and I read through the Bible over and over again during that season and I prayed and I, I, I just grew in my relationship with the Lord and it was interesting that it, out of the end of that season that uh, All Nations Church was, was birthed and uh, you, you see that bearing fruit is inevitable if you're connected to the vine and, and, and it was out of that place of relationship and and it was the most natural thing in the world. And it wasn't me trying to do something. It was, it was just something that came, that was birthed out of that time of, of, of uh, just going deeper in my relationship with the Lord. And so, um, what does it mean to abide in Christ? It simply means to continue to live in a place, to reside, to dwell, to await, to remain, to lodge, to sojourn, to endure. It means to be or exist it means to continue on in a permanent state, to rest, to remain, to wait, to stand firm, to be stationary for any time indefinitely. And so, uh, I know that's a long definition, but it essentially it's, it's just talking about where do you live? Um, uh, you know, do you live in God's presence? Do you have a relation, you know, while you're driving your van to work, while you're, you know, going to school, while you're minding your kid at home, uh, whatever you're doing, you know, 
Derek Prince, I remember hearing him during the week talking about how his wife, that, that she was always praying. And, and she, she did it in such a natural way. He said she might be cleaning the dishes or cooking the dinner, but she would be praying. And, and so it wasn't something that she put on. It was something that she lived. And so, again, uh, abiding in Christ, uh, it relates more to our being than to our doing. And um, this is the thing, is that it's meant to be, a, a, you know, uh, like I said, relationship rather than our religion. Because our walk with God can become works, mo- you know, motivated, doing things in our strength and in our ability, and, and sometimes doing things out of obligation um, uh, uh, rather than out of love. Um, you, you know, we didn't change our children's nappies out of obligation. Uh, we did it out of love. We, we, you know, I didn't go to work every day out of obligation for my wife and my kids. I did it out of love. And, you know, love, I, I think, is, is, is probably what's missing in a lot of respects in our society today. Mm-hmm. And that's why you have to have courts, you know, that have to make orders for a husband to provide for his kids, which seems like an unnatural thing to have to do, but... You know, when love isn't there, people can do terrible things. And so, you know, love is so important. And, and I think the Lord wants us, uh, you know, to grow in our relationship with him, to grow in our love for him, to grow in our hunger for him. And out of that hunger and out of that love that we have for him, people are going to be drawn to the Lord. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're going to be far more effective in our ministry because, you know, the secret to a, a fruitful and a successful life is, is found in abiding in Christ. You know, not doctrine or opinions or church affiliation, you know, because, you know, many times we're more focused on, on, on bearing fruit than on abiding. And, and this is why, you know, people burn out, people lose their strength, people get discouraged, you know, people, you know, just grow stale in their, their walk with God because it becomes like a job, it becomes an obligation, it becomes a chore. And, um, you know, sharing the gospel with somebody isn't difficult if you have a strong relationship with the Lord, because mm-hmm. you're talking about somebody you know, mm-hmm. as opposed to trying to share some three-step theory on how to be saved. Um, you know, a, a fruit tree doesn't have to worry about bearing fruit. Uh, it, it only needs to stay connected to the vine to bear fruit. And, um, you know, break off an apple tree branch and watch uh, how many apples that branch will bear. None, because it's, it's not connected to the tree. And the same with us. We can't bear fruit unless we abide in him. And so, uh, why does God want us to abide in him? Firstly, that we may know him. That's, you know, the, the most important thing God wants us is simply that we know him. And, um, you know, it says in, in the book of Jeremiah, let not the wise man boast in his strength, let not the, uh, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, the strong man boast in his strength, um, the rich man boast in his riches, let him who boast, boast in this, that he knows me. So God wants... You know, sometimes we overcomplicate this. God simply wants you to know Him. And out of knowing Him, you know, He'll use you to do great things. He'll, he'll, he'll use you. But that's not, that's never been the priority with God. God, God simply wants us to know Him. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and so, uh, what did Paul said in, in Philippians 3, 7 to 11? That I may know Him. That was Paul's focus. You know, this is the man who wrote half the New Testament taken to heaven, you know, used by God in such a powerful way. Jesus appeared to him, and yet he said, after all those, my focus is that I may know him. And so, again, have you arranged your life in a manner whereby you can know him? Mark 1.35, Jesus rose a long time before daylight, went to a solitary place, and there he prayed. So, uh, what are your daily priorities? I mean, for some people, it's 
whatever happens, you know, the world can stop spinning, but they, they will not miss Coronation Street or EastEnders or whatever else their program is. Um, you know, uh, what is a priority in your life is, is spending time with priority with Him because the only way you can get to know someone is by spending time with them. Amen. And it's the same with the Lord. We cannot know Him unless we spend time with Him. Secondly, you know, again, why does God want us to abide in Christ? Firstly, that we may know Him. Secondly, that we may become like Him. Amen? And this is so important um, because th there's a process uh, whereby God will make us Christ-like. Uh, verse 29, Romans 8. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So what did God predestine us? He predestined that we would become like Jesus. And so, again, this is, is the question. Are we like Jesus? I mean, if you were to ask your wife or your husband um, or your kids... Uh, you know, are we, are we like Jesus and are we becoming more like him? And I think that's important, that we should be growing in grace and in godliness. Um, 2 Corinthians 3.18 But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So again, there's a process, and that process is called sanctification. Salvation, you know, means we get saved. Um, uh, you know, salvation means we come to Jesus. Sanctification means we become like Jesus. And some people have gone for the first option, but they've neglected the second. And, you know, one of the reasons why many people reject the gospel is, is because, uh, you know, of people who's, you know, uh, who say they've received Christ, but they're not like Christ. You know, Mahatma Gandhi said, I love your Christians, I don't like... He said, I love your Christ, I don't like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. And, and so, it's, it's sobering for us to think about that. Yes. You know, that, you see, we're, we're called to... Like I said, firstly, salvation is when we come to Christ, but sanctification is when we become like Christ. And so, uh, we must, you know, s surrender to the work of the Master in, in making us like Jesus. Um, so, you know, a married couple can order food for each other. They can finish each other's sentence. Why? They've been around each other so long. They know how they think and they think alike. And um, so, again, God wants us to become like him. And um, so, thirdly, that we may bring others to him. Matthew 4.19, come follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. Amen. Jesus wants to make us soul winners. And so, if we abide in Christ then we will bring others to Christ. And, um, you know, Jesus said, if I be lifted up from this earth, I will draw all men unto me. And so, uh, when we're abiding in Christ, we will be lifting him up um, rather than ourselves. And so, um, I'm just going to quickly go through some of the points in terms of the how. Because, um, you know, the why is, is fine, but too many times, you know, as pastors or ministers, we, we talk about the why, but we never deal with the how. And that's why you got so many people that are perplexed because they know what, you know, they, they know where they want to go, but they just don't know how to get there. And so, um, how do we abide in Christ? And um, let me say this before I go any further. Um, God would not ask you to do something that you cannot do. That would be unfair and unjust, and God is not unjust. Um, so when Jesus, uh, you know, invites us, 
abide in me and I in you, um, he, he wouldn't ask us to do. Uh, you might say, but I've, I'm busy, I've got kids, I've got a job, I've got a career, family responsibilities. But like I said, God wouldn't ask us to do something that's impossible for us to do. Um, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. And that includes abiding in Christ. Um, it's by his grace. So firstly, um, and I'm just going to rattle through these. I could take a long time on each point, but I won't. Uh, firstly, abide in his love. We cannot abide in Christ unless we abide in his love. And um, <coughs> this is why Jesus said, you know, um, abide in me and I in you. The Bible says God is love. And so if we're abiding in Christ, we're abiding in love. And that's why every step out of love is a step into sin. And that's why it's so important we walk in love, even with those who are, at times are unlovable. Um, even at times those who are not nice to us. It's so important. The Bible says love never fails. Mm-hmm. And you know, the reality is sometimes uh, people will come across us to test us and to, to try us, but um, we must respond in love. Uh, and, and sometimes, like I said, you have to determine to be the bigger person. Okay? Sometimes the Bible says, let him that is ignorant be ignorant. Sometimes you can't change the fact that some people are ignorant, are unreasonable, um, uh, are irrational, and, and, and you can't always uh, choose how people act towards you, but you can always choose how you respond to them. Okay, so we must abide in his love because if we step out of love into um, unforgiveness or bitterness or aggression or, or, or whatever, um, you know, we're, we're stepping out of God's way because God's way is love. Now, that doesn't mean you're a doormat, but it does mean that you, you are deliberate about walking in love. You choose love. Amen. We're intentional about walking in love. Okay. Uh, and, and you have to be intentional because otherwise, like I said, the pull of the world is always the opposite way. Mm-hmm. Revelation 2 verse 4. Nevertheless, I have this against you that you have left your first love. Mm-hmm. Remember therefore from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from your place unless you repent. So um, Jesus said to the, this church, you have left or you no longer abide in love. And um, Jesus was saying, you know, your heart is no longer burning for me. Uh, I'm no longer first place in your life. And um, uh, again, first we make our decisions, then our decisions make us. So, you know, you must prioritize the Lord in your life. The Bible says in Jude one twenty one, keep yourself in the love of God. So, like I said, you have to choose. Sometimes you have to choose to do that with gritted teeth. Because people, like I said, will test you. But you cannot abide in uh, in hatred, um, and and don't allow others to suck you into the strife that they operate in. Some people, it's like for them, it's adrenaline. That's that's the adrenaline they run on, which is strife. They cause strife wherever they go. Uh, that's what they operate in. That's the spirit that moves in them, and they can't help themselves. They just cause strife, you know. And it's important you don't allow people to 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 suck you into that, you know, our division, our gossip. Some people, they're, you know, they can't help but gossip. You know, that's what they, they do. But you have to learn to keep yourself out of that spirit and not get in the flesh and, and not give people a piece of your mind. And, uh, you know, all of us at times are tempted to, to do that. Um, you know, whether in the car, you know, blow somebody out of it for doing something stupid, you know. But, you know, the reality is all of us at times have made mistakes or done stupid things. And so we need to show people grace, even as God has shown grace to us. 
You know, Ephesians 4.26, in your anger do not sin. So all of us at times are tempted to get angry. And, uh, uh, but you know what? If you're angry, don't, don't, like I said, leave the person a voice message at 2 o'clock in the morning because you want to get something off your chest. It's going to be a mistake. Don't do it, you know. Just sometimes the best thing you can do is leave it for a day and, and deal with it when you've calmed down, you know. And um, so learn to wait on God. Um, you know, Paul said, I, I strive to have a heart void of offense, okay? And so we have to determine, if we want to abide in Christ, we must abide in love. Uh, uh, Proverbs 6, um, you know, six things the Lord hates. One of them was he who sorts strife. Um, so don't be a person who causes division and repeating stories and, you know, uh, uh, just causing division. Remember, every step out of love is a step away from God. So gossip, hate, Rage, unforgiveness, they have no place in us. 1 Corinthians 13, love never fails. And so, um, do you allow the love of Christ to rule in your life? Or do you allow your emotions or, you know, like I said, uh, your feelings, your, your resentment? Um, some people, like I said, constantly rehearsing uh, the wrongs that have been done to them, uh, bringing them up. Um, sometimes the best thing you can do is just do a frozen and just let it go. Just, just let it go. Be the bigger person. Does, and, and by forgiving, it doesn't mean that, that you're saying, you know, you deserved what happened to you or that the other person is right or that it doesn't matter. But, you know, it's sometimes you just have to just, uh, you know, the Bible talks in the book of Hebrews about a root of bitterness. And if we refuse to deal with something, if we refuse to forgive, if we refuse to let it go, that thing can take root in us. And it can start to poison our spiritual uh, walk uh, with the Lord. And so Jesus said, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. John 13, 34. Mm -hmm. That wasn't a suggestion, it was a command. So Christ has commanded us to walk in love. And so, again, it's easy to walk in love with people who love you. It's the people who don't love you. All right, it's the people who annoy you, the people who get under your skin, you know, the people who talk badly about you. I understand, but you know what? Love is a choice, not a feeling. We choose love and we choose to walk in love in Jesus' name. Amen. Because James chapter 2, verse 8 refers to love as the royal law. It's, it's the law that rules God's kingdom, okay? And so the law of the world or the law of the jungle is get them before they get you. Um, you know, the number one rule, always look after your own rear end, cover your backside, etc. That's the, the, the law of the world, but the law of the kingdom the, is the law of love. And that means we walk in love. So firstly, we abide in his love. Secondly, we abide in his word. Uh, Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you will and it will be done for you. In John chapter 15, we just read it. So is the word abiding in you? Um, because you are not abiding in Christ if you're not abiding in his word. That means we need to have a daily time reading the word of God. You might say, well, Pastor John, I'm so busy with my kids and my job and my whatever. Listen, we make time to eat natural food. We need to make time to eat spiritual food. It might be only five or ten minutes. But, you know, there's, uh, it's funny, I, 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 um, I was... I read a quote the last day by a man, his name, a Chinese man, lived about 100 years ago. His name was Wang. He was a minister. And he had a, a motto, which was simply, no Bible, no breakfast. And so if he hadn't read his Bible, he wouldn't have breakfast. <laughs> I thought that was a, a really good way of motivating some of us to, to, to read the Bible. And um, 
And you know, he came up with a very simple system of reading of reading the Bible. He he said if you read two chapters from the old, two chapters from the new, five Psalms and one Proverbs, he said, you will read through the entire Bible in a year, you'll read through the entire New Te- the Old Testament in a year. You'll read through the New Testament three times. Uh, you'll uh, read through the Book of Proverbs once every month, and uh, I can't remember how many times you read through the Book of Psalms. Well, five, five Psalms, five and hundred fifty is thirty. Um, I'm getting mixed up there. Yeah, but anyway, if you read two chapters from the Old, two from the New, five Psalms and the Proverbs. You'll read through the, the New Testament three times in a year. And you read through the old uh, one time. And uh, so, anyway, abide in his word. And, uh, you know, the Beatles used to sing, all you need is love. But actually, you need more than love. You need knowledge. And my people are destroyed through lack of knowledge, Hosea 4, 6. And that knowledge is found in God's word. Amen. And, um, you know, God gave me a very vivid dream there a few months ago. And in the dream, I was talking to Joanna. I said, Joanna, God has taught me to teach others, to teach people how to live. And really, as a pastor, that's your job is to really teach people how to live their lives. You know, because you go to college, you learn how to do maths and you learn how to do all sorts of skills and and things. But, you know, in many respects, we were never taught how to live. And that's why you have, you know, marriages breaking down and so much dysfunction in our society because people have never been taught to live. Because this is God's, uh, you know, uh, instructional manual for life. You know, Bible, basic instructions before leaving earth. And, and because particularly in Ireland, we haven't had, you know, a biblical influence, you know, as Catholics, we were never really taught to read the Bible. And, um, you know, our society has suffered greatly uh, as a result of that. And um, because we need the Bible uh, to, to, to show us uh, the, the way. Uh, Psalm 119, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. You see, the Bible never said that a statue would, would do that for you. Um, uh, you know, or that even a, a physical church. I mean, we have some of the most beautiful churches in the world, but a church doesn't save you. Jesus saves you. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's the word of God that, that shows us how to live. And so it says it's a lamp to my, our feet and a light unto our path. Psalm 119 is, is really a lovely uh, psalm, and it celebrates, um, you know, the, the, the power of God's word and what it, it does for us. And... Um, uh, Psalm 119 and verse 11. I, I just want to take a couple of excerpts from the psalm. Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. And so, you know, if you fill your heart with the word of God, you won't have the same appetite um, for sin. You won't have that appetite. It'll, it, those appetites will leave you. And, um, uh, you know, this is the problem. Is many times people are empty and therefore... Uh, you know, nature abhors a vacuum, and people, because they're empty, are being filled with all the wrong stuff. Yes. Uh, particularly the crappy entertainment that's there through Netflix and through, you know, Instagram and all that stuff that's out there, and it's uh, and it's leading people astray. But uh, verse sixteen, and it says, "I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word." So, this is the reality. Many Christians forget the word week after week, where they don't open their Bible. And um, so, you know, we need to, uh, you know, renew our minds with the word. We need to read it on a daily basis. Verse 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Praise God. So the, the, the word of God gives us wisdom for living, wisdom for life. 
165. Great peace of those who love your law, and nothing causes them to stumble. And so, you know, at a time where so many people don't have peace, when so many people are struggling with anxiety and fear and worry and concern and World War III, etc., you know what? If you have the Word of God in your heart and if you're reading it on a daily basis, God will give you His peace. So learn to abide in His Word because if he, uh, Hebrews 4.12, the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You know, was there every generation uh, that had so much knowledge available and yet had strayed so far from uh, the Word of God? And so, like I said, many people will spend, they think nothing about spending four or five hours watching a TV, but they wouldn't, you know, and I include even Christians in this, they wouldn't even spend 10 minutes reading their Bible. And so, um, you know, this is the thing. People uh, stumble when they stray from the Word. And so there's, there's so much more I could share on this, but I, I want to quickly go through the other points. But, but again, the Bible talks about uh, Samuel in 1st 3.19. That, that, that Samuel would allow none of God's words to fall to the ground. And, and so, you know, we need to have a, a, a sense of reverence, of recognizing, you know what, this is God speaking to us. You know, I was only coming down in the car today, I was listening to Derek Prince, and he quoted uh, Matthew 22, verse, uh, I think it was 32 and 33. And, you know, it, w- it was very profound. Uh, um, But concerning the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was spoken to you by God? Now, you know, that verse is repeated on a number of occasions uh, throughout um, the book of Genesis and also in Exodus. This verse that Jesus is quoting. I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. So, uh, on at least five or six different places, God says, I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Mm-hmm. And But it's interesting that when Jesus quotes this, this, this is in red, it's Jesus talking. But Jesus doesn't say, um, um, you know, that, that Moses um, said. He said, but concerning the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was spoken to you by God? It was spoken to us by God. It came through Moses, because the first five books of the law are Moses, and, you know, the first five books of the Bible. But it says, it was spoken to us by God. And so remember, the Bible is God speaking to you. And, and this is why many Christians end up in trouble, because they don't abide in the Word, and therefore, they're not hearing what God is saying to them. We must take the Bible as personal. It's God speaking to you. And I don't care what your problem is, the answer is found in the Bible. If you will just give time to read it. Um, and, and so it's, it's a very, very profound thing the way the Bible will speak to us if we just make time. to. Sometimes I just open my Bible and within literally 30 seconds, yeah. God has spoken directly to me about something in my life. Amen. And, and the answer didn't come through psychologists. It didn't come through a series or through a course or through the knowledge. Of, it just came straight from the word of God because it's a living book. And so I would encourage you. And like I said, if you have that desire to read through the Bible, that's a very simple kind of a principle to follow on a daily basis. You'd probably read, I mean, you'd read that amount easily, I would say, within 20 to 30 minutes max. Um, and, and, and you might say that's a lot. Well, think about how much time you spend on your phone or on the TV. 
you know, and put it in perspective, it's it's a drop in the ocean. Yeah. And um, but but you know, two in the old, two in the new, five psalms and a proverb. And that way you're getting the whole counsel of God. And I think that's important because some Christians never read the Old Testament. But you know what? It's all the word of God. Um, it's, it's very important that we have the big picture of God, so to speak. So anyway, um, uh, 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 Joshua 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. You shall meditate there in day and night that you may observe to do corn. All that is written therein. For then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. So the Bible says if you abide in his word, you will have good success. You will be fruitful and you will be blessed. Mm -hmm. So abide in his love, abide in his word. Thirdly, abide in his presence. And uh, this is so important for us. Um, you know, uh, the book of Sam says, In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Uh, ultimately, what makes heaven heaven? It isn't the streets of gold. And uh, it isn't the angels singing. And, uh, you know, it isn't... Um, uh, so many different things it, that we might think uh, makes heaven heaven. What makes heaven heaven is the presence of God. Amen. That's what makes God heaven heaven. It's His presence. In His presence is fullness of joy, and at His at right hand are pleasures uh, forevermore. And so, this is the beauty of uh, that we can abide in His presence. Because let me say this: there are things that we can say. There are places that we can go. There are things that we can do. There are people that we can associate with that causes the presence of God to lift off our lives. And, and I don't mean that in a super spiritual way, but this is the reality. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I hope and pray that tonight you, you come away from church with a, a new sense of, of God's presence and a new touch of God in your life. Amen. But you know what? How many of you know when you walk out of out of a bar, you know, a lot of times you'll walk up and you realize, man, I smell a smoke, you know, <laughs> or at least it used to be that way before they banned it. But, um, you know, you walk out with a certain smell on you. But, you know, it's, it's, it's also not just physical. There's also a spiritual thing about the places we go, the things we do, the people where, you know, if you're with people, they're giving a load of coarse joking and they're, they're just talking gossip and, and rubbish. Sometimes you can walk away from somebody and you kind of feel dirty mm. and, and, this is why, you know, there's some things that... Uh, the Bible says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God with whom you're sealed to the day of redemption. Like I said, we must be important. We're not grieving the Holy Spirit by things we're watching or, or by things we're seeing or by people we're associating with. It doesn't mean you can't be around unsaved people. But like I said, there, there, there are certain people that, you know, you just get grieved in your spirit because of the conversation and, the, and, and what's kind of going on. So... Um, you know, are you a worshiper of God and are you passionate about God's presence? I love Psalm uh, 63 and it says, um, Oh God, you are my God. Have you made that declaration in your life that, you know what, I'm a follower of God, uh, I'm a follower of Christ and I'm unashamed of that fact. I don't hide it the same way as people come in on a Monday morning, their job, they don't hide who they are and what they stand for, but many times... Christians are, are kind of ashamed or covert or embarrassed. Yeah. And, um, but David said, Oh God, you're my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I've looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul shall be satisfied as my own fatness and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches. 
Because you have been my help, therefore in the shadow of your wings I will rejoice. My soul follows close behind you. Your right hand upholds me. So David had that passion. He had that hunger for God. Jesus said, blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness. They shall be filled. So are you a worshiper of God? Do you have a desire to know God? David was a man after God's own heart. And the Bible refers to him as that. You know, David clearly made many mistakes. But you know what? He loved God. And, and his love for God and the fact that he was abiding in the presence of God enabled him to overcome those failures. Because, you know, the reality is all of us have areas where we have fallen short or where we fall short. But, you know, what? when you learn to abide in his presence, those things won't have a hold on you. And you'll always overcome them in Jesus' name. So, you know, uh, uh, the, the, the Bible talks about Acts 4.13. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John perceived they were untrained, uneducated men. They perceived that they had been with Jesus. And, and this is the question. Can people tell that we have been with Jesus? Has it so affected us to the point whereby we, we talk different, we think different, we, we live differently? Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of, of one young man in our church who got saved just only a few years ago. And, he, 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 you know, he, he talks about how coming to church has changed his life entirely you know Kean. I mean he was uh, uh, he was in a gang he was involved in drugs he was uh, uh, you know involved in a lot of violence and a lot of dysfunction and um, but to see that man today I mean he talks differently he thinks differently he's just such a, a different person and and that's not me and that's not the church that's what the gospel does that's what Jesus does when we abide in his presence it changes us yes. and it changes us. The Bible says the spirit of God will come upon Saul. He'll be changed into another person. You know what? When God's uh, spirit comes on your life and when you open yourself to the Lord. And uh, what I'm saying is when you align yourself. Like I said, you know, when the church doors are open here, you need to be in here faithfully on a weekly basis because it'll change you. Don't just come every now and then. Be faithful. You know, get involved. Serve the Lord in some manner because when we come into his presence. And that's why, again, some people... I'm amazed, even in our church there, how people will walk in halfway through the worship or at the end of the worship, and they don't mind once they're there for the start of the message. And, and you know, that's fine on one level, but, you know, that's kind of idolatry because it's it's kind of placing, you know, the pastor on a certain level, but it's, it's you know, treating, well, that's just the music, that's just the warm-up. No, it's not. It's, it's, it's about worship. We come to worship. We gather to worship the king. And, and so God's presence is so important. You know, Acts uh, 12, 13 talks about as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said. And the very first missionary journey of, of Paul and Silas happened. But as, as they ministered to the Lord, and this is what I'm saying, is sometimes we're so busy in ministering to everybody else, we're neglecting to minister to the Lord. And, and let me say this, irrespective of whether you feel like you're called to the ministry or not, every one of us are ministers. Amen. We are called to minister to Him. We're called to minister to the Lord. And so let, let me say this. The Lord loves you and he wants you to know him. And he, he's so much more concerned about, um, you know, what he can do for you than what you can do for him. Um, and, and the greatest thing you can do for the Lord is simply make time for him. And so when you pray, he's listening. When you read his word, he's watching. When, and that is what he, he wants you to walk in his presence amen so firstly abide have you have you run out of patience no no we haven't i don't i don't don't overstay my welcome (laughs) i know this is a three-week series i'm doing with you but i'm just putting it out there in in 
quickly. So just give me a little bit more. Look, and uh, I, I'm, I'm almost there. But look, abide. Firstly, if we want to abide in Christ, abide in His love, yeah. uh, abide in His word, abide in His presence. Fourthly, abide in His righteousness. Now, uh, in in First uh, Corinthians one thirty says, Christ has been made unto us um, wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Um, this Sunday, I'm going to be teaching my third week. Um, and what was meant to be just one point of a one day message praise you Jesus